3 million Texans live in rural areas across the state. Their needs, concerns, and wants are different than those in bigger cities. The future of rural Texas is the focus of an upcoming Texas Tribune event here in Lubbock. We're previewing what you can expect. This is Listen in Lubbock. For Texas Tech Public Media, this is Listen in Lubbock. I'm your host, Sarah Self-Wall-Brick. Next week, the Texas Tribune will host an event spotlighting the towns that are a key part of this state. The future of rural Texas will be two days packed with questions and insight into the reality of small town living. That's happening at Texas Tech University on November 17th and 18th. It's a free event that you can also attend virtually. I'm thrilled that Texas Tech Public Media is a partner in this. Here to tell us more about the event and the topics on the schedule is Jamie Lozano. Jamie is the Panhandle and South Plains reporter at the Texas Tribune. Before that, she worked here at Texas Tech Public Media. It's always good to have you in the studio, Jamie. I'm so happy to be back here. To start our conversation today, I want to first define what it means to be a rural community. Jamie, can you explain? So officially, uh, the Texas Workforce Commission designates any county with a population of 10,000 people or less to be rural. Um, But most people hear rural and, you know, they're like you and me, where they think of your small one high school towns, um, your, you know, heavy agriculture communities and places out in the country that are few and far between the next small town. I think, you know, when we hear the word rural, again, we do kind of think of the smaller towns. I don't think of Lubbock as rural, but I do understand, you know, why people elsewhere in the state kind of think that. So I think it's interesting that at this event, we'll hear perspectives from people in cities like Lubbock that are bigger, just not um, one of the big metros in the state, um, but also from the tiny towns that you and I both know very well. So tell us a little bit more, what are some of the unique challenges that these communities face that we'll be talking about at this event? Well, you know, they're facing challenges that are probably unimaginable for a lot of people raised here in Lubbock. Um, you know, like you were saying, Lubbock is a bit um, a bit smaller than your metro areas, uh, but for the most part, it is the big town or the big cities surrounding all of our small all small towns in this area. Um, and so, you know, we can say, you know, here in Lubbock, we can go anywhere really and get connected into broadband. Um, we're very lucky that we can look up anything in a second on our computers or on our phones. Uh, But there are millions of rural Texans who have to go to use their McDonald's Wi-Fi if that's even available. It's a privilege that's taken for granted here in Lubbock, um, but out in smaller communities, you know, this is a very, very challenging issue. Uh, There's also the issue of healthcare access. We've talked about how hospital closures hit rural communities more often and even more lack access to mental health professionals. Um, Rural communities are facing a lot whenever it comes to a huge labor shortage as well. So that really includes critical area areas like healthcare and education. Um, so it's really just, I, I wouldn't say that these problems are necessarily um, very unique. It's just that there are so many of them and they're all piling on to each other. That's a really good way of putting it. Obviously, there are some perks of living in a smaller town as well. What are some of the most common ones that you hear? 
You know, honestly, there are a lot more perks than I think people think about. And um, I hardly hear from people in small towns who would leave in favor of the big city here in Lubbock. Uh, But there's the opportunity to really know your community and know your neighbors on a deeper level, you know, instead of just kind of passing by and seeing each other um, as you're going home or going to work, you're actually spending time with these people and connecting with them. Um, Small towns also have a, a very supportive shop local mindset so whenever businesses go there you know if they can help if the community can help and support them they're going to Um, and of course you also have a lot of these small towns that are embedded with family histories Um, and so whenever that's the case you really have a lot of people who want to stay close to their roots they want to stay close to their family who are still there um, and they just you know don't want to leave the comfort of their small towns Um, ultimately it's just a a much more intimate way of of living that you don't get in a city. And this is something that you and I have both been passionate about throughout our careers. And that's because we both have rural living experiences that I wanted to share on the show. So Jamie, remind us about your background and why this is an important topic for you. Well, I was um, I was born and raised in Loveland, and I stayed there until I was 23 years old, and then I moved here to Lubbock. So I really never got far from home, and that's how I prefer it. <laughs> um, since I'm with the Tribune, I think a lot of um, I think a lot of sources assume that I'm from Austin, and then it's really nice to hear them get surprised whenever I call them, and it's a Loveland number that's popping up. Um, but it's just I don't know. It, it to me. Living in in Leveland, it was just such a. At the time, I I didn't appreciate it because I was a kid and you know just wanted to get out and do bigger things. Um, but I really really see the advantages that I had then. I don't think a ton of listeners know this about me, but I actually lived in Amherst for 10 years while growing up. I commuted to Lubbock with my mom each day to go to school Um, from when I was in fourth grade until I graduated high school. My first year at Texas Tech, I actually commuted from Leveland. So um, we both have that town in common. Uh, But when I was in grade school, I mean, that was an hour long drive one way. And I think a lot now about the fact that, you know, in some of the metro cities, an hour long commute is nothing. Um, But around here, that is definitely not the norm. I know plenty of people who drive in from Morton, um, Leveland. I mean, there are commuter towns in this area as well, but that's definitely not the norm. So it was certainly a unique experience growing up. Now that I'm older, I am really thankful that I've got to experience both city and small town living because it is just, it's a different experience. It's a different life. Um, Jamie, you're a part of the Tribune's regional reporting initiative that was created to better cover all of Texas and not just the major metros. Tell us more about those efforts. Yeah, so um, like you mentioned, the mission with the reporting initiative is to show really that Texas news happens outside of Austin. It happens outside of Dallas and Houston. You know, it can really be everywhere. Um, And I'm very proud to be the Tribune's first reporter to really bring that mission to life. Um, So far, I've been able to not just report on Lubbock, but also Rawls, Odessa, uh, Midland, Floydata, and Leveland. But, you know, we've also added to our regional team, and we have a reporter out covering um, East Texas, and she's really focused on rural communities as well. Um, We also have Allison Erickson, who 
Um, she is regional with us, but she focuses on veteran issues in Texas, which is very underreported when you think about it. So it's just it's just things like that. You know, the Tribune was really looking for those areas that needed that coverage that, you know, there was obviously a gap in in coverage there that needed to be filled. And, you know, we're also looking to even branch out even more um, with other hiring soon. And so I'm just really proud, honestly, of our team so far. I think that we've been able to show that, you know, like I was saying, this important news can come from anywhere in the state. And the fact that we're able to bring rural small town issues to a bigger audience is just something I'm very grateful for. What are some of the topics you've covered so far in this position? Um, really, I've I feel like I've covered a lot whenever it comes to our water issues and even climate change and how that's affected agriculture. Because, um, of course, you know, when you get into rural communities, especially out here in the high plains, agriculture is just about everywhere. Um, and so and that's been a big one that I've needed to cover. Um, but we've also covered, or I've also covered, um, you know, access to birth control out here, um, dealing with the the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Um, we have uh, covered a hospital over in Rawls that, or a clinic over in Rawls that is now up and running um, and offering that access to patients who, you know, can't go to Crosbyton or can't go to Lubbock. And so um, it's just been it's just been things like that. Like I'm trying to branch out into all the um, all topics that I can cover. Uh, but my gosh, as as you know, there's so much out here. <laughs> there really is. Um, your work is very appreciated. And um, thank you for bringing some of these topics and conversations to a statewide level, because it's something that I think has been ignored in the past. And I'm really happy to see that changing at the statewide media level. The Texas Tribune's Future of Rural Texas event happening next week in Lubbock is another example of the Tribune's efforts to reach and hear from all Texans. We'll talk more about what's on the agenda after the break. Stay tuned. You're tuned in to Listen in Lubbock. I'm your host, Sarah Self-Walbrick. The Texas Tribune's Jamie Lozano is in the studio with me today. We're talking about the Tribune's Future of Rural Texas event happening next Thursday and Friday, November 17th and 18th at Texas Tech University right here in Lubbock. The event is free to attend in person or virtually. You can RSVP today at texastribune.org. Jamie, before we get into some more specifics about the agenda of this event, tell us how y'all picked the topics that will be covered. Well, the leadership at the Tribune really put a lot of thought into them uh, because, like I mentioned earlier, there are a lot of issues facing rural Texas, and they have taken note of that. So the topics that were chosen um, were ones that we felt were very prevalent, you know, across rural communities, not just here in the High Plains, but also in East Texas, um, you know, issues that I think all rural communities in the state can can relate to. Um, and they were also issues that we felt we could start the most effective and productive conversation about as well. And so that's what we're hoping for with this event. I like that you highlighted that these are issues that are felt in rural communities across the state. I think here west of our I-35, we kind of get in our heads that we are <laughs> rural Texas. And that's not the case. Like, yeah, we're a big chunk of it, but there are a lot of other small communities that 
face different, but also a lot of the same challenges. So I love that y'all were really thinking about this um, in respect to the entire state and not just kind of what we stereotypically think of as rural Texas in this area. The first panelist sessions will be about the upcoming legislative session that starts in January. Tell us who's on that panel and what topics you think might come up. What are some of the rural issues the legislature will look at next year? Well, so the panel includes um, Dustin Burroughs, here from Lubbock, of course, uh, Eddie Morales Jr. of Eagle Pass, uh, Brooks Landgraf of Odessa, Jeannie Morrison of Victoria, uh, Terry Canales of Edinburgh, and it will be moderated by our CEO, Evan Smith. Um, It's an even mix, honestly, of both Republicans and Democrats. So I'm hoping that we will get a good, um, a really good conversation going there and kind of put politics to the side and really focus on the issue. Um, but two topics that will most likely come up are healthcare and education. Um, I'm sure broadband and rural development will be brought up as well. Um, but those are the issues that I can see coming up with the legislative session, too. Um, you know, just from what I've heard with different sources, they are already planning to focus on those issues. Um, and it's just, you know, obviously a matter of time until we get that. Um, but, you know, of course, whenever we're talking about education, this is especially um, concerning school vouchers because that could have a really big impact on rural education. So um, those are the ones that I'm, I'm thinking we'll be discussing with that panel. Absolutely. I do think that education is going to be a top priority and focus in this upcoming legislative session. Um, You mentioned school vouchers, which is one specific issue. Another one that I've heard on the education front is teacher shortages, which is felt in a different way in our smaller towns. Tell us a little bit more about some of the other education issues facing rural communities. Well, like you were saying that the teacher shortage, it is a really big problem for rural communities right now. Um, On top of trying to recruit new teachers to come in, that's also an issue that we've seen come up a lot lately. Uh, You know, growing up in Leveland, I can't tell you how many teachers we had kind of performing double duty and, you know, working after school hours to, you know, let's say run the driver's ed course. And so um, it's just something that's very common um, that we see, especially in school districts where there are fewer than 500 students. Um, in in our preview article, we did mention that 22% of all certified teachers quit their job um, in those school districts after the last school year. Um, so, you know, this not only adds extra duties on top of the rest of the teachers, but we've seen that it can lead to burnout. So, um, you know, that's obviously a big issue. Um, And we've also heard that many teachers don't feel supported by the legislature and um, some of the requirements on teachers that are pushing them out of the schools. Um, And so really, those are the ones, as well as the school vouchers, that I think will be um, the most impactful to rural communities next year. Internet access is something we heard about a lot during the pandemic. That time highlighted how many Texans don't have a reliable broadband connection. It's a problem specifically in rural Texas, but there have been some recent moves in the right direction. Jamie, what do you expect to hear about in the Getting Connected session? Well, you know, of course, um, I think 
broadband development, right, is what I'm expecting. But on the next level of it, like we've been talking about this for years now, um, the pandemic really showed that this is uh, this is an issue that needs to be on the top of all of our minds. And so it's um, it's been there. And we've had the state's broadband development office um, be uh, be created last year. And their maps, their coverage maps will be out in January. So um, I'm hoping to hear at this panel specifically about what comes after that. You know, there's um, broadband affects a lot of towns and their abilities to attract businesses, um, to connect patients to doctors online, and, you know, really can affect education, like we were mentioning before. And so um, that's what I would like to hear about next. You know, we, we hear, we know it's an issue, just how are we going to fix it? Now we have these maps coming out. What can we do with that? Um, and I'm hoping that Dustin Fawcett, uh, he's actually the judge-elect over in Ector County, I'm hoping he'll be able to speak on that and how broadband can really boost rural economic development. Um, because truly, like, that can be such a big boost for rural towns, um, just as long as they're connected. Like, it sounds so simple, but there are millions of Texans who can't get connected, and that's an issue. Absolutely. It's something that unless you've experienced it, I think it's easy to take for granted just a steady Internet connection. You're moderating a discussion on rural health care, which is a topic that you covered with us last year. Tell us more about your panel. Well, I have a really great group of speakers that I'm very excited for. Um, Lorenzo Serrano with the Winkler County Hospital District, uh, Jennifer Franklin with Yoakum Community Hospital, uh, Dr. Lori Rice Spearman, who, um, of course, we know is the president of the Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center. Um, they will be on my panel, as well as John Hodges, who is actually a, um, a family nurse practitioner who now works for Rawls Family Medicine. He restarted or he started that clinic there um, earlier this year. And he's actually somebody that I met whenever I was working here last year. Um, You know, he is somebody who I heard his story then. He grew up in the area. He wants to stay here and provide care for his community. You know, the people he grew up with, the people he knows. And, And it just really stood out to me. And so once I saw that he was still doing it, still kind of fighting the good fight, I was very excited to be able to write with him or to be able to work with him again. Um, And now I'm very excited to see what he'll be able to add to that panel. I love that. Going back to, you know, what we said in the first segment of this show that, you know, a lot of people in rural communities, it's about their connection. Um, It's just a tighter knit feel and personal connection to their neighbors. than I think we get sometimes in the bigger city. And then, of course, you know, Sarah, I'm very excited that you will be joining us and that you're also moderating a panel. Your panel's on economic development in rural communities. Um, So tell us about that. It is. And I'm very excited about this. So as you said, there's a lot that goes into economic issues in rural communities. Um, Broadband is one of them. That's a huge barrier to getting businesses um, and other people who maybe are looking to work remotely um, and things like that. Um, That's a big issue for rural economies. Um, We'll also be talking about, you know, 
some of the other challenges like training the next generation's workforce. What does it look like to, you know, graduate kids and get them to stay in your community? Do you have jobs for them? Um, What does that look like? Um, There are a lot of different topics that I want to go over. Obviously, agriculture will go into this as well. Um, But I'll be speaking with Wendy Cook, who is the board member of the Canadian Economic Development Corps, Judy Canales, who is the executive director of the Eagle Pass, Maverick County Economic Development Alliance, Nathan Tafoya, who is the executive director of the Mount Pleasant Economic Development Corps, and Lillian Salerno, who is the Rural Development State Director for Texas at the USDA. So we'll be hearing um, perspectives from truly across the state, which I'm really, really excited for. But there's a lot to discuss. Excited to dig in to that on Friday afternoon of next week. So, Jamie, tell us what else is on the agenda. Well, um, you know, I'm sure you've seen Sewell Chan, the Tribune's editor-in-chief. He'll be moderating City Hall Confidential, which I have to say is probably the coolest sounding name of all the panels (laughs) from our sessions. Um, But it'll be a panel with mayors from the region. And so we'll hear from Ginger Nelson, um, who, of course, is Amarillo's mayor, Lubbock's mayor, Trey Payne, and Mark Hicks, who's the mayor of Lufkin. Um, And I'm really, you know, with that one, I'm excited because I'm expecting to hear them talk about local government and finances for local government and, you know, how the political landscape has really been affecting their communities. You know, we've heard a lot about how that uh, the national uh, politics are kind of bleeding into rural communities. And I'm curious to see how that's playing a factor. Um, We'll also have a panel by our good friend, Adam Young, the editor of the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. Uh, His panel will be on preserving our natural resources, which seems to be a growing concern every year as we face extreme heat and drought, um, which has been affecting our water resources. And so there... Uh, we'll hear from the state senator. We'll, we'll hear from state senator Charles Perry from Lubbock, uh, Carlos Rubenstein, who is the former chair of the Texas Water Development Board, and Mary Lou Hastings, the executive vice president of the Cynthia and George Mitchell Foundation. It's really a stacked agenda uh, over two days of just nonstop, again, conversations and insight into what these communities are facing. It's time for another break. We'll be right back with more on the Texas Tribune's upcoming event in Lubbock. Stick with us. Welcome to Listen in Lubbock. I'm your host, Sarah Self-Walbrick. The Texas Tribune's Jamie Lozano is in the studio with me today to preview an upcoming event. The Future of Rural Texas will feature two days of panels and conversations about the state's smaller cities and towns. That's happening next Thursday and Friday, November 17th and 18th at Texas Tech. I'll link to more information in the web version of today's episode. Jamie and I have talked a lot about what to expect at the event, but before we wrap up today's conversation, I want to talk about another aspect of rural life, politics. We're recording this show the day after midterm elections, and rural voters got a lot of attention this political cycle. Jamie, both parties seem to make extra efforts to reach rural voters this election. Tell us what that looked like. Well, really, I mean, that looked like a lot of, you know, meet and greets, little town hall meetings, things like that, um, popping up 
all over rural Texas. I mean, you were seeing Beto even stop through Milshoe, and I think that that was surprising a lot of people. Um, but, you know, just kind of, it, it was a lot of that. It was thinking outside the box, not just floating towards Lubbock and Amarillo, but also really looking at all the places in between and trying to make those, the people, the voters there, know that their vote matters. Um, and I think that that really did. Uh, I, I think that it worked. I just think that clearly um, it worked more in the Republican Party's favor. And I'm not sure if that is just a factor of them, you know, possibly courting the rural the rural vote a bit better than how uh, Democrat candidates do. But but yeah, it did clearly work in their favor. Yeah. So Governor Greg Abbott and Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick did some of these small town visits as well. Dan Patrick went on a bus tour um, where he stopped at a lot of restaurants and things like that. Um, It was interesting to see. But I think there was some interesting commentary about, you know, how long it had been since statewide elected officials had visited some of these towns. Muleshoe is an example. I went out to Snyder to do some reporting. Um, I specifically chose that town because both Beto O'Rourke, who was running for governor, and Dan Patrick made stops there. That's kind of unprecedented to have a town of, you know, 11,000 people and have, you know, multiple statewide officials come in. It's definitely something that I don't think we've seen in several political cycles. So I think that was a really interesting part of this political cycle to follow. Um, So, I mean, did it work? Did reaching out to these voters make a difference for either party as far as we can tell at this point i think that it's a great strategy i don't know if it necessarily worked or if it's just kind of how rural voters are because of course you know the outcome is very much similar to what we've seen in the past you know rural voters put a lot of these statewide races over the edge for uh, for Republican candidates. And so, um, you know, it, it's a great strategy to go out and to talk to them, to really show them what, you know, that they matter. Um, it's just clearly, you know, rural Texas, for the most part, identifies much more, um, much more closely to Republicans. And I don't know if even this brilliant strategy will help change that anytime soon. As we've talked about a lot on this episode, the issues rural Texans face are different than those in, say, Houston. What were some key issues that voters were thinking about in this election? Well, I think a lot of them were really kind of looking at um, at whenever we talk about rural communities, they were looking at finances. You know, they were trying to see, okay, well, then who is in charge of this? Who can really help with this? So um, a good example is not a lot of people realized it, but the um, the Texas Agriculture Commissioner is actually in control of, of rural development, you know, boosting rural development out here and trying to attract businesses. And um, I think that that did get a lot of people's attention. I think that that was, um, it was something that I heard a lot from rural voters as I was going out and around um, the High Plains, where really they were just, they were wanting to know when the state was going to start paying attention to them. When is the state going to start funding these these efforts for them and helping them? And so I think that's really where, where they mattered the most. So coming out of this election, what are takeaways for both parties when it comes to rural voters? 
I think, I mean, personally, and I, I might be biased just because obviously, you know, we're out here. Um, but I do think that the biggest takeaway is that rural voters make the biggest difference whenever it comes to these elections. Um, you know, it's it's not an exaggeration to say that even though you have a lot of people who live out in Dallas or Austin or Houston who might vote one way, there were millions of people in rural communities who will find a way to get to the polls and vote and, you know, really support whatever causes they see. And so I think going forward for both parties, you got to start connecting with them. And I understand like there was a lot of that attention, like you were saying, where they were trying to attract the rural voters and they were going out and making those efforts. But like Dan Patrick, for example, him going out to just kind of restaurants where people just happen to be instead of saying, hey, I'm going to be at this location, meet me here. I think it's just even stuff like that, that it's like that makes the difference to them. They feel like they are are being met and not having to be the ones to make that effort and it can make a big difference. That's it for today. I want to thank the Texas Tribune's Panhandle and South Plains reporter Jamie Lozano for joining me on the show. The Future of Rural Texas is a two-day event happening next week, November 17th and 18th, on the Texas Tech campus. The event is free to attend in person or virtually, but please RSVP. You can find more information on the Texas Tribune's website, texastribune.org. I'll also link to some resources in the web version of today's episode. That's at ttupublicmedia.org. Jamie and I, as well as our teams at the Texas Tribune and here at Texas Tech Public Media, hope you'll join us at the event. Until next time, thanks for listening in.